0: Welcome to First Baptist Wiley. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or give online at fbw.church.
1: Hey, faith family and friends, Pastor Chris, and wherever you're joining us today, whether you're in one of our campus expressions or joining us online, welcome. You know, I've been away for about three weeks, and I just want to say thanks to all of those who uh, stepped in during this time. I was uh, primarily in New York City with some of our mission teams uh, we have seven teams that have been going into that city, partnering with one of our strategic partners um, as they continue to come out of COVID and rebuild. And so I want to say first thanks to Emery Cawthon, did a fantastic job the very first weekend. And then my friend Lloyd Blank, who did great the second. And then, as always, uh, my friend uh, and buddy, uh, Eddie James. And so thank you to all three of those. I know you enjoyed them, but it is good to be back with you as we continue in our series at the movies. You know, I, I was in the airport in New York City uh, just a few days ago, and I saw something that um, I, I'm always intrigued by. I saw the Duty Free Shop. Have you ever seen one of those? I love the Duty Free Shop. I love the Duty Free Shop for, for lots of reasons, but I mainly love it for the Toblerone candy bar. Like in, in, I love Toblerone. I love the chocolate. I like the one with the almonds. And they have these huge Toblerone uh, candy bars that you can go purchase there. So whatever I was, I was, I had some time. We got to the airport really early, and so I actually put in duty free shop. And and when I did, there was this quote that popped up that just blew my mind. And it was this quote, and and, and I was like, how does this duty free shop and this quote connect? Because there was this man by the name of Charles Feeney who wrote who wrote this had this quote it says, "I want the last check I write to bounce." I was blown away by that. I was like, what what, what what turns out Charles Feeney, who is 90 years old today, still alive, uh, he was a multi-billionaire. But back in the 1980s, Charles Feeney had this vision that he would divest his eight billion dollar fortune in his lifetime and he would bless people. That, I mean, think about that. $8 billion wasn't going to leave it to his kids. Um, wasn't gonna, you know, uh, live li- live the big life. In fact, Feeney was an interest is an interesting man, because he's never owned a house. Uh, he his only rented houses, only rented apartments. In fact, today he lives in a very small apartment. Um, he-, he never owned a car. Um, found different ways, different means of transportation. Never flew first class. This man had eight billion dollars. Never flew first class. Um, always flew coach. He only owned one pair of shoes at a time because he said, "This you only have one set of feet, you only need one pair of shoes." This man lived and has lived an incredibly um, simple existence. Why? Because he wanted to take care and he wanted to bless people. In fact, he, his message to other billionaires, people like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and uh, Warren Buffett people who now have said they're going to give away like half of their income, half of their wealth upon their death. Um, he he basically said this to those wondering about giving while living, try it, you'll like it. You know, he was totally contrary to the, that passage I just read to you there in the scriptures because th- this man's radical generosity galvanized his resolve because um, this man understood something, um, that individual prosperity is intended for corporate blessing. You know, if there's anything that's going to unite us in the days ahead, if the world has any hope, it's only going to be because of the of the cross of Christ and because of the person of Jesus. And yet, even even amongst ourselves, let's just be honest. Even if we are saved, even if we know Christ, one of the last things that that Christ gets a hold of many times uh, is our finances. It it is what we give. It's our generosity. Because money is really not a financial deal; it's a it's a it's a temperature gauge as to the generosity in which we possess. Uh, you know, we're we're in this series uh, at the movies, and when you think about one of those classic Christmas stories, The Grinch, I mean, you have to think about what his issue was. You know, he had been hurt in the past; uh, he felt neglected; he felt like the world owed him something. So what did he do? He went down to Hooville and he stole Christmas from all the inhabitants there of Heuville, stole their Christmas tree, stole their presents, and, and even stole the roast beast. Why? Because he was greedy. You know, the thing about it is this. It's ha- it's hard to call yourself a godly person if, in fact, you're greedy. You know, godliness and greed do not complement one another. They're They're completely incompatible with one another. And I would just ask this question as we kind of begin this message, and it's simply this— are you a generous person? See, I think most people think that they are generous people. In fact, you would compare yourself to others and say, well, compared to this person, I'm more generous. Now, when you think about Charles Feeney, I have a feeling that Charles Feeney has us all beat, right? But but, but the, but, the reality is this. Are you a gritty person? You know, on a scale of one to ten, I want you to think about your number right now. Can't use five. And I'm going to have you think about it later in the time in our message. You know, You cannot be a godly person who's greedy. So what are some characteristics of the Grinch? What are some characteristics of people who, in fact, are greedy? Well, here's one. You ought to write this down, characteristics of greedy people. One, they're self-centered. They always wonder how this is going to affect them. You You can identify these people by their pronouns. They always use pronouns like me and my and I. Now, I'll say this about greedy people. They're always easily offended. They're usually mad at somebody. Here's another one. They're self-promoters. They love to be in the spotlight. Greedy people want to be the center of attention. They're people who are always doing humble brags. I think social media has become a a, a huge problem with this area because sometimes people will value signal. They'll put something out there that they know that people are going to compliment them on and uh, therefore, therefore, they're going to get a puffed up ego. Because once again, it's greedy. It's about me. It's about the attention. Uh, they become self-absorbed. They have no empathy for others. They see people in, in a hurting position, and they see people who are down and out, and they make comments like, well, you know what? They should have planned better. Well, you know, that's just the consequences of their sins. They have no empathy for others in their plight. Uh, they're self-indulgent. And one of the ways you know you're greedy is, is potentially it's because you have a lot of credit card debt. You have a lot of consumer debt. Because you, you you believe that you're entitled to things now, and there's no delayed gratification. Um, there's no end to your material need. Here's another one. They're self-serving. Uh, every situation is evaluated by how it impacts them and, and how it's going to affect them, their family, whatever. Nothing wrong with taking care of your family, but every decision can't be based on that. You say, they don't care about how the team does. They don't care about how the family does. They don't care about how the church does. They care about how they're going to benefit. You know, I was on this uh, a trip and my, my great friend Bill Howard, he made this comment and, and he said this, you start living when you start giving. You know, I believe that is really the truth. And Jesus tells this incredible story about a, a lady found in the gospel of Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 41 through 44 and about this, this radical story of generosity because, you see, money, possessions, speak a lot about where we are with respect to our relationship to Christ. And, and this is a story about, about a widow woman. And I understand why the Bible would have Jesus walking on water. I understand why Jesus is feeding 5,000, why that would be in there. I can understand why uh, perhaps raising Lazarus from the dead and obviously our own Lord's resurrection, While that would be in there. But this particular story is amazing to me that Jesus himself took time to highlight a nameless, faceless woman who we now speak of some 2,000 years later. You see, Mark chapter 12 tells a story like this. And he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing in the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all that she had to live on. You see, you start living when you start giving. See, I want you to see three takeaways right here from the text about this concept of generosity and about this radical demonstration of generosity that Jesus saw. In fact, it it was so big that He calls His disciples to Him because He wants to, to highlight this for them. What's amazing is this, is when we begin to walk with Jesus, we begin to see things like Jesus sees things. So you see, you start living when you start giving. Notice this, Jesus sees when you give. Jesus sees when you give. It says right there, he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting into the offering box. Many rich people put in a large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small, small copper coins, which make a penny. Here's what's fascinating. Um, Jesus was people watching. Have you ever done some people watching you know, my dad, been with the Lord now for nearly four years. One of the things I used to love with my dad when I was growing up was we'd always go people watch. In fact, I started realizing that my parents actually were running a scam on me because many times my dad would say, hey, let's just stay in the car. And my mom would go into the store. And I think the reason they did that is because they knew that it was going to cost them money if I went into the store. Because what I've come to realize with my own children is this. They never go into a store. It doesn't matter what the store is that they don't see something that they want. But one of the games my dad and I would play is we would we would watch people. We would always play this game called, What's Up With That Guy? And so we would see somebody walking by, and maybe they would kind of look unusual. And we would just start making up stories about what we thought that guy, what that person was like. That was a much better game than the game pregnant or not. I'll just leave that to your imagination. Anyway, all that being said, um, Jesus notices when people give and what they give. Think about this. Jesus sits down front and center, okay? He goes to the temple, and in the temple, here's what you'd have to know, that there were 13 brass receptacles, and they looked like trumpets upside down, the small part at the top and the big part at the bottom. 13 of these brass receptacles. And they were there in this in this particular courtyard, and Jesus is sitting right there, front row. I can understand if it was a concert. I can understand if, if it was if some type of, of play. I can understand if it was some kind of big event. But this is offering I me. Mean, think about this. Um, he is sitting there, and he is seeing what people are putting in. And understand, when the rich people put in large sums of money, because these things were made of brass, and the more they put in, they would put that money in, and they would sound the trumpet. It's kind of where we get the phrase, you toot your own horn. They would throw that money in there, and you would hear that kaplink, and those, those coins would spin around. And here's what happened. People would applaud. They would applaud when these people would give this kind of money. And by the way, I want to just say something. Uh, this text is not condemning rich people. In fact, if, if you're rich, God's blessed you with that, and you can steward that well to His glory, I want you to say, praise God. Uh, I want you to understand that some of the greatest work in the world that's being done is being done by godly people who have been given and with wealth, and they are making a difference for Christ. So let's, let's don't confuse these things, because the, the, the story teaches us about generosity. You know, could you imagine if, you know, in our particular worship context, we also have receptacles. And could you imagine that if I personally was standing, because we have an offering time every week on our campus, and I was standing there and I was looking what every single person was giving or not giving. You know, I mean, I have a feeling that some of you would be so offended by that, wouldn't you? I mean, it's none of your business. Where do you get off? Who do you think you are? In fact, some of you would either be so offended that you would for sure just give online, or probably you'd quit giving at all, and you would leave the church. And here's why, because you'd just be so offended. You realize, though, Jesus still sees what we give. And he saw that this woman was giving, and he saw that these rich people were giving. And I think sometimes we kind of think to ourselves, well, I don't know if that really matters to God. No, it absolutely matters to Jesus. It mattered so much then that he, he sat front row. And you know what? It matters today because he still sits front row and he still sees and he still observes. You see, you start living when you start giving. See, the second takeaway from this passage is simply this. You start living when you start giving. Notice the second thing. Jesus knows what you give. So he sees what he sees when you give, but he, he also knows what you give. And it says this, it says, And a poor widow came and, he put two co- she, and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing in the offering box. Now, the offering was a very typical happening. The temple courts had these 13 copper trumpets, if you will, Every day, all day, people would come by all the time, make offerings. But Jesus points this out. He, 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 he sees what no one else sees. He, he, he's going to call the disciples around him. He wants them to hone in on this particular lady because this lady was, by all accounts, a second-class citizen. In fact, there's about four things about her that we know to be true just right here in this text. One of the very first thing we know is that she's a widow. Uh, widows had a particular kind of dress. They were always identified um, in, in public. She was poor. So that really indicates two things. One, she probably didn't have children. Because when you had children, children were your social security plan. Back in this time, you had children, so your children would take care of you in your old age. And the fact that she's poor and she's a widow probably indicates that she and her husband we're not able to have children. Here's the thing about that. Whenever you weren't able to have children and you were poor, in that particular culture, people despised you. They looked upon you like there was probably something you've done wrong because God hadn't blessed you with wealth and with children. But Here's another thing about her. She was also a woman. And women 2,000 years ago did not have the rights or were not valued the way that they were, they are today in our particular time. And so Jesus takes, and isn't that just like Jesus? Jesus feeds 5,000 with a little little bitty boy. You know, Jesus always pulls out the most unqualified people to show us these eternal principles. And he takes this woman who is so unlikely an example, and he says she has done this extravagant thing. She put in two little mites. Back in that particular time in history, you got to understand the average worker's wages were about 15 cents a day. And she was given a fraction of that, these two little mites. It was it was about, about 50, a 15th percent of that 15%. I mean, you're talking it was worth about a penny. And as those others were making their contributions and you would hear that that those coins hit that brass and people would applaud for them, she came up to that receptacle and she dropped those two simple little coins in there and it barely even made her tink. And yet Jesus says, oh, boys, gather round, gather round, because you have to see this incredible act of generosity. You know, the, the reality is this. It said, Jesus says said she gave more than anybody else. Now, come on, Jesus wasn't dumb. Jesus knew there are people who put bigger offerings in there by way of amount. But you understand, it has nothing to do with the amount. Uh, you know, uh, you may say, boy, I, I, can, I can never give what other people give, because I just don't have it. You may not be able to give that by way of amount, but do you realize that you could be the largest, the, the, the most generous person in our church, in, in your, your community, and you not give the largest amount? That's what Jesus is trying to show here. Generosity, it's easy to give whenever you have a lot, because when you think about generosity, Jesus does not look um, at, 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 at giving the way we do. Now, Jesus does not look at giving the way we do. People look at the portion. Jesus looks at the proportion. Um, people look at what we're putting on the table. Jesus looks at what stays in our pocket. You see, people look what's put in. Jesus looks at what is left over. And you understand that whenever that little lady put that, those two little simple mites there in that receptacle, the only person that applauded was Jesus. You see, friend, you can be a generous person. You are called to be a generous person irregardless of your circumstances. I heard this inspiring story about a young lady in our church named Taylor Morrow months ago, and I want you to hear from her.
0: During some services, I would hear Chris talk about Tithing and offering, and he would just kind of break that down. And I would always hear him say, "Tithing is the got to, and offering is the get to." I think a lot of people forget that everything is his. My name is Taylor Morrow, and I've been a member of FBC Wiley for all 20 years of my life. I used to be in the kids ministry, and you know now I'm in um, the college classes. I go to the commons, and you know I just I look forward to it every week. I'm currently a student at Collin College. I am hoping to get into paramedic school in the fall. I've already completed Collin's Fire Academy and EMT school, so I'm now a certified firefighter and EMT, so paramedic school is all I have left. I started working when I was 16, and I was working in retail. And even then, I didn't really... I knew about tithing and offering. I just... I didn't really... Put it into motion with my financial part of my life, um, and it wasn't. It wasn't until I I started my third job, <laughs> and one day I came to service and Chris was talking about giving, and it just it finally clicked, and I finally understood the importance of tithing and offering. And so I went home that day. I got an envelope and. I just waited till my next paycheck and I took 10% out and I kept doing that for every paycheck that I got. Before I turned it in I was holding it and I was like wow this is a lot of money in the envelope. When it was time for the offering I went up to the gift box and I just put it in there and I just went about my day. I hope that when people hear this they maybe to the people who don't necessarily understand tithing and offering or just don't really understand generosity. I feel, I hope that they begin to understand how important it is to just be generous because God is generous every day. I think a lot of people forget that everything is His, even, even the money that you work for. And when you tithe, you only give 10% of that. So God is just so cool that he's going to, he's only asking for 10% of it. So you get to keep the rest of the 90% of it.
1: You see, start living when you start giving. Here's the third takeaway. Jesus knows why you give. See, motive matters. Motive matters. Notice what it says here in the text. For they all contribute out of their abundance. By the way, nothing wrong with having abundance. If you have an abundance, you are blessed. Amen? In fact, I'm speaking to lots of people who are blessed with an abundance. And if you are stewarding those resources the way God would have you do it, let me tell you something, man, be blessed. But it says they contribute out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. You know, this is why this impresses Jesus. This is why we're talking about this story about this nameless widow 2,000 years ago, because the motive of why she gave. You see, I find that some people have have a real hard time to to figure out why they should give. And and, and notice something about this one. The Bible says this about her, that in the text, she's she's called poor. And it's this Greek word and it means this, she was totally destitute. She was a beggar. She didn't know where her next meal is going to come from. You know, I imagine most of all, you that are listening to this, you know where your next meal is coming from. You're not worrying about that too much. You're not even worried too much about the next mortgage payment or you're not too much worried even about maybe the next vacation, right? This lady is destitute. Like she has nothing. She does, she, she does not know where the next whatever she's going to get is going to come. And the other, it says this, that she was in poverty. It means to have nothing. And, 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 and so she had no possession. She, she was probably homeless. And then it says this about her right there in the text. She put everything she had. That, the, the phrase there, everything she had to live on, that word live on there comes from the word bios, which is where we get the word life. You know, you've, you went to high school, you probably studied biology, You got to dissect the frog or the, and the worm and all that kind of stuff. And so bios is life, and ology, writes the word of, the study of, so it's the, it's the word of life. And what she basically was saying this, is that she gave him her life. You see, here's the difference. This is the motive. The reason some people have a hard time giving to God what is God's The reason sometimes people have a hard time separating, they're they're closed-handed, they hold tight to what they have. The reason they are, the reason they struggle, the reason they say, oh, I love Jesus, no, thank you for taking me to heaven one day, but I'm not (coughs) going to give you this, is because we haven't really given him our life. See, when you give him your life, th- th- some people say, oh, that must have been so hard for that lady. I mean, she could have she could have at least kept back one coin, right? Just keep back one. You got to eat something. I mean, keep that. No, 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 no. See, she had already given her life to him. So when she gave him her life, don't you understand, it was easy for the rest of everything that she had, possessions, as great or small as they were, to follow. You know, I'll just say this to you. and This is just, just hear my heart on this. We got people that... Tune in now from all across the country and all across the world, but if you're here in your are in our local contacts particularly and you do faithfully, and you, do, you, you could give to this church, I would simply say this. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. He, he had this woman's heart. And I want you to understand that here as a faith family, and we, we try to do this uh, with excellence. We have a purpose statement. We say it often. We're spreading God's fame by making disciples of all people. That, that Listen to me. That if you can't, with your whole heart, be a part of the journey, to be a part of the vision, to be a part of what we're trying to do for God's glory, and you struggle to give here, I want to encourage you to do something. Find a church you can go support in that. Because let me tell you, this church, we, we do not need your money. God doesn't need your money. What, what He wants, what He needs is your heart. You understand the motive for giving. There's some people that give because it's a tax credit, at least for now. And so they give, and they give because, hey, you know, I get to write some stuff off, and it, and it works well for you. Um, there are some people who I've learned over the years, they give because it's really bargaining. It's like, hey, God, I'm going to give you this and you're not going to give me cancer, okay? I'm going to give you this, and you're going to give me that. No, see, that, that doesn't work. We, we don't give to put God in our debt. That never works out good for you. Some people give out of guilt. Some people, they do some horrible, terrible things, and they think, you know what? I'm going to give, and it's going to make up for that. No, see, God wants your heart. That, that's the difference. What when, when you give unto the Lord, God loves a cheerful giver. And he wants you to be excited. He he wants you to to give to him not out of obligation, not out of duty, not out of have to, but out of want to. You do realize that when MasterCard sends you a bill every month, they could care less the motive by which you give to them. Man, you can be drunk. As long as you send a check, they're happy. You understand the IRS? They don't care about your emotional makeup and what you've been going through. And they don't... they just want you to pay them on April the 15th. You understand, your mortgage company could care less if your kid has any kind of unforeseen expense. They just want you to pay your bill. But here's the difference. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. He And the reality is this. We always give to who or what has captured our heart. When I think about this, I think about a lady in our church who's gone to be with the Lord. Her name is Maudie Sweeney. Maudie Sweeney uh, reminds me of the lady in this particular story. Maudie was just a sweet, sweet lady. And uh, Maudie, um, I'll never forget, uh, every every birthday, every anniversary, every Christmas, I would always get a card from Maudie Sweeney. And a lot of times Maudie Sweeney would send me like $20 every time she'd send me a card. Can I just tell you that? Because she just she just loved God. She just loved people. She just wanted to bless people. She wanted to bless her pastor. And we, we Carol Sue and, and Earl Newsom, members of our church, would always go check on Miss Monty. They'd take her. They Back in that day, we'd bring CDs to people. And uh, she'd get the, the, the CD, or, and then eventually she would get the DVD of the sermons, and she'd watch her church because she was unable in the last part of her years to be here. Years before she died, Miss Motty um, did something that was huge because Miss Motty was never able to give the biggest, largest gift by way of dollars, but she always gave the most generous gift. And even upon her death, she had that heart for Jesus and her church. Upon her death, she willed us her home—a simple, modest home here in an in in, in older part of Wiley. And here over the summer months, we actually were able to take that resource and we were actually then to sell that resource. And as a result of that, the church from this little widow's mite benefited about $85,000. Is that not amazing? She didn't give it to anybody. She, she gave her best to the Lord. She, because why? He had her heart. He had her heart. And let me tell you something. I'm so excited because this fall, we're going to do some incredible things in this church. God's about to put us on a new journey. We're going to do some exciting things. And let me tell you something. Miss Mottie's widow might money is going to be the first fruits to the future because that's the kind of lady she was. See, you're either going to go through life generous or greedy, and there's no halfway in or halfway out. You're either generous or Or you're greedy. You're either going to live selfishly or you're going to live selflessly. And I wonder what it is that you will do. I remember a story um, a long time ago about a little boy who uh, was very poor and he went to a church service. This is back in churches that were passing plates. We used to do that before COVID. They they would pass the plate at that little church. And and on this particular Sunday, that church, that plate came down his aisle, and he looked at that plate, and he held it with consternation because he really wanted to give something, but he 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 didn't have anything to give, and so he passed the plate. And he was so bothered by this that he ran to the next pew, and he sat in the next pew, and the plate came, and he just kind of held that plate, and just just so wanting to give something of value to the Lord, and so the he passed that plate. And before it's over, you know, the ushers collect the offering, they walk down to the front, they put it there on the altar. And the little boy got up and he walked down that aisle and he took the, one of those plates off of that table and he put it on the ground and he stepped into the plate. Because the only thing he could really give to the Lord was himself. And you know, friend, the Bible says, For God so loved the world." that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, God has given so extravagantly to us. How in turn could we not give our lives to Him? And if we give our life to Him, how can not the rest of that just flow? You know, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I just want to encourage you to to do that today. We'll have people that you can uh, talk to on our campus. Uh, If you're watching this broadcast, if if you would, you're on one of our platforms whereby you can communicate with us, you can. You can always send something to info at fbw.church You'll never become generous until you first give your heart to Christ. And may it be that our hearts are fully me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you for your extravagance that you have poured out upon us. And may our lives simply be an offering to you in every way. But it starts in the heart. And like people like Charles Feeney have shown us, you start living when you start giving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Until next time. Thank you.